Welcome back to Mind Over Movies. I'm Isaac. And I'm Casey. Uh, this week, <laughs> Prince Philip died. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> this is this is That's... a PSA. Do not take your 99-year-old relatives to go see Godzilla vs. Kong. <laughs> Um, not work out. Yeah, it was reported that um, Prince Philip had a little bit too much excitement uh, at the screening of Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, you know, and he's uh, he's with God now. Or whatever the, the, the British equivalent of religion is. Uh, it's Evan, love. <laughs> <laughs> it's Evan. Oh God! Well, he was a bad enough person that I don't feel I don't feel too bad. Yeah, no, I've I've heard some. On him. I've heard he's pretty shitty, actually. Yeah, I, I I think it's no surprise that like DMX dying the same day, you know, people gravitating towards mourning him tells you everything you need to know about that. Uh, yeah, the difference between those two people because I mean, DMX is no like moral paragon or anything. No, but, like, <laughs> being more celebrated than British royalty really says something, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least DMX, you know, wasn't two hundred and fifty years old and survived off the, you know, actual bone marrow of uh, children. But you know, whatever, <laughs> teach its own. <laughs> I have you watched like The Crown at all? Uh, no, but Donna started watching it. Um. A couple weeks ago, and uh, I can't remember if she kept going, but she liked it, like what she saw. Um, I've heard it's pretty good. I I've heard that too. I'm I'm honestly thinking about watching it because this new season is going to be about Princess Diana, and they've got Kristen Stewart coming in, and she looks yeah. like no wait, Kristen Stewart is not playing Princess Diana in The Crown. She's playing Princess Diana in some other movie. But Princess Diana is coming into the crown, and I love like gotcha. Princess Diana discourse. Like, yeah, it's it's so entertaining. There's like so much to her life, uh, and I, you know, honestly, a lot of it gets tied up with like people's really shitty conspiracy theories, like that she was murdered by the royal family. But I think that that's a bunch of bull you know like really? i think the royal family's evil sure yeah no they didn't murder her the paparazzi murdered her like, yeah i mean i, I don't know the, pretty... like, the the story but like if i'm being honest with you i wouldn't put it past the royal family to murder no. her but i mean i wouldn't put it past the royal family to like murder someone but like with princess die you know it's just a pretty open and shut case of like someone who's hounded by the media like all their life and then you know the the paparazzi literally like chased them in in the yeah. high speed like vehicle pursuit and i mean unfortunately probably the biggest factor of why she's dead is they didn't have seat belts on you know mm, they, yeah. they found a hairline fracture with her and uh, the doctors i think did determine like if she'd been wearing a seat belt she would have survived and that's just that's I mean, sad. tell me what kind of like royal assassin would do that. Also, <laughs> this is a point that was well made on a podcast I listened to. Um, if the royal family wanted to murder her, there were so many better ways to do that. Like Princess Diana was like known to frequent like being on boats. 
And so if they really wanted to kill her, like experts say that the best way to do that would be have a have a diver, like go out to the boat, put charges on it, swim away, blow it up, boom, and it gets rid of the evidence. The circumstances are mysterious. Like yeah. people uniformly agree, like <clears throat> tunnel tunnel paparazzi chase murder is not like a very efficient way to assassinate someone, you know? Right. Well, uh, you know, uh, let me just say that, uh, you know, paparazzi tunnel murder is, uh, it's, um, it's very public, you know, like, I don't think there's ever been more of like a, well, I mean, there's been like shootings, but like, I'm not even going into conspiracy theories right now. I was just like messing with you, but, um, yeah, the, like, if you think about it though, that's a really like public you know death being chased on what was she, was she on like the freeway or something or like on the uh i just remember seeing yeah, i think they, i just remember seeing footage of it I, isn't there footage of like the chase i feel like there there is um i know for sure that like one of the the paparazzi people got out of the car after the accident happened and took photos of her like in there still Jesus Which, Christ. I mean, that's probably the most fucked up part is like they they sold those photos for like $500,000. You got to be like Princess Diana. Bro, that's some nightcrawler no. shit right there. What the heck? That's some... Yeah, no. I mean, nightcrawler, I mean, you got to pull that material from somewhere and I mean, yeah. The paparazzi in real life are crazy. Have you did you see the Britney Spears documentary? Um, uh, no, I haven't. Well, that, that's a big part of that documentary is that the paparazzi and the media just, like, followed Britney, like, everywhere. Like, she couldn't do anything without making, like, tabloid articles. Um, and, like, when you watch it, it's crazy. Like, she'll pull up to a gas station and there's a legion of paparazzi, like, waiting for her. And they'll follow her into the store and it's just pictures, pictures, pictures every second. And, like, they, she literally, like, can't walk through the store because they're blocking her physically and i mean people chastise these celebrities when they lose their shit but yeah the paparazzi are there hounding them every minute like wanting that reaction and when they get a reaction they get even more money if they sell angry celebrity photos like there's a very famous photo of britney spears um bashing one of the trucks of these paparazzi guys and i think it sold for like five million dollars like they they're encouraged and rewarded for pissing people off and ruining their lives, you know. Yeah, that's man, that's so like messed up. Why? What is the point of that? Like, I know there's like a, a lot of money involved for paparazzi, but like, if you tell me your job is if you, is like the equivalent of like being the paparazzi, I'll probably like uninvite you from my home and like everything in my life. Like, that's just the, the most scummiest job. And the tabloids are so stupid. I don't get how they make any money in 2021. Um, you know, we have Twitter for that shit. But yeah, and we have people's, like, smartphones, which exactly. kind of makes it worse, you know? Yeah. The fact that now everyone has just, like, a portable camera on them. Right. And celebrities can just be photographed at any moment, like... 
I, I think of these, like, really famous photos of Ben Affleck on Twitter now where he's, like, outside smoking a cigarette. And I he love looks, that like, image. utterly depressed. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a great image, but you have to think about the context. Like, there's some guy standing outside Ben Affleck's house waiting for him to come outside and just taking pictures of him doing oh, his that, everyday shit. That was at his house? Yeah, it's his house. Oh He's like outside God. his house. There's like a series of photos that don't often pair with that one where like Ben Affleck is like has ordered DoorDash like Dunkin Donuts and he's like trying to get inside really quickly and he spills some of the Dunkin Donuts and someone's like documented that. Oh yeah. And there's another one where he's got like his hand up because he's seen the guy taking pictures of him and he's like essentially being like don't fucking take pictures of me. It's it's really sad when you think about a lot of these like iconic photos we see on social media of these celebrities mm-hmm. that we use like as reaction photos. It's just people trying to live their fucking lives and and someone's standing near them with a camera just yeah. probing every moment of it. It's hmm. nuts. Well, hey guys, we're a film podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's your daily dose of morals. Um, no, like. You make yeah. That's a good point though. Like a really good point. Like I didn't. I never thought about that. That all these image like reactionary photos we use are probably just byproducts of paparazzi like people just constantly. Yeah, man. The deep state cabal is like really. It's winning. You know, they're they're eating children at the highest level. Yeah, they're taking pictures of celebrities, and more importantly. They are assembling the Jewish space lasers that are going to be pivotal in, in, in the in government. The, in the next Reich. In the coming wars. Yeah. I mean, I just hope Q can can come back and, and yeah. warn us of more of these dangers. I know. Um, yeah, and yeah. speaking of which, did you see that horrid documentary that tried to slander yes. Q? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, yo, there's this new documentary called Q Into the Storm. It's on HBO Max. It's so bad. It's so one-sided. It's so obviously funded like by the deep state. Um, yeah, the cabal slander, definitely the... got to this guy. Yes. Oh, my God, dude. Uh, what's his name? The, dire- the director, Cullen, Cullen something. Cullen Holback, I think. He, yeah, Cullen Holback. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not good, guys. Like, if, yeah, it's... Uh... Slandering our our good name. I can't I can't do the YouTube thing much longer. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> oh no, guys. Um, no Q. No, this is actually a pretty great documentary. Like, okay, really. yeah. I I love this documentary. Like it's up there and my favorites of all time. I started rewatching it with uh, Donna, Luke, and Trinity, and uh, mm. I. I I don't know what. Well, actually, what did you think? Because I told you what I what I think. I think it's batshit crazy, and I love it. Like I love it so much. But what, I definitely went think? into it with with fun expectations. Because you texted me at three a.m. and you were like, "I'm binging it. It's this year's Tiger King." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was dude. like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I really like it. I, I yeah, like just general blanket statement without getting too into it like i think this is a really great documentary and i think that um this is 
this gets into the shit that a lot of people don't understand in the general public like i think QAnon is a symptom of like a lot of people being extremely online and so like it's something that our parents and people like that just won't necessarily understand because it involves websites like 4chan and 8chan mm-hmm. and yeah. um like the some of the darker corners of like reddit and these are all websites that you know typical people don't use um and i think this documentary is like very enlightening and and very humanizing about well not humanizing but like it shines a light on the people behind these like forums you know and i and i think like it's a great bit of education that way and it's very captivating like it's Mm -hmm. it's so good yeah i couldn't stop i i I binged the last three episodes on saturday okay because i was just like in it right the last three episodes are like the craziest um Mm -hmm. like they they managed to like this documentary is sort of like it it reminds me of tiger king in in the in the sense that every character you meet is like a character like torn straight out of a book or like straight out of like a screenplay or something like for and and, like the events kind of like how tiger king was like every episode just got crazier and crazier because you like, Oh, once you think that it like can't get any more, you know, like intense or like dramatic. And then boom, like the fifth episode hits <laughs> the, the game over yeah. episode with the airport and everything. Like, Holy crap. Um, That's a, that was like a thriller. That was yeah. a, a thriller come to life. You know, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I, think, I agree with uh, you though. I think that like the, the the characters and like the storytelling of these characters, you know, the rivalry mm. um, between everyone definitely harkened back to Tiger King, and like I don't know if that's most of the story, but I'm glad that the story that um, this filmmaker Colin chose to focus on was was so engaging and like mm-hmm. definitely like all of the characters that appear in this documentary, whether you like them or not, are like completely fleshed out over the course of these like six episodes like you definitely feel like you know these people pretty well yeah and, the, and like they're they not likable people <laughs> yeah yeah most of them are not likable i think i think the one that had like at least sort of like the redemption arc was like fred um yeah but even then he he created 8chan because he like thought 4chan was like moderating too heavily and mm-hmm. 4chan is already like one of the like most active hate speech like forums like ever so like i don't know i think yeah. a person who's got like that darkness inside of them to make that mm-hmm. like i think he realizes it's a mistake these days obviously but yeah i just... i just think it's interesting that um the like I don't want to spoil it for anybody, obviously, so I guess we'll have to talk to it kind of cryptically. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, th- I think his, his, you know, after the, uh, after like the shootings and stuff, how he mm-hmm. decided to absolutely just wage war on them. Like, uh, I think there's, a, I think there's, it's in the fourth or fifth episode. Uh, where he meets with the guy in the coffee shop. Uh, yeah. And after like after that, I was like, oh my God, like he's still going out. Like he didn't just stop right there. Like he like posted all that on Twitter and everything. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, but it eventually, it, it 
cost him, you know, because like shortly after that, he had to leave. And um, I just think that it's it's just kind of like I went into this expecting it. Here, here, here's here's what I like. Why I like like this documentary so much. I went into it. Uh, I started watching it when I was in Dallas. When we went to Dallas for a few days uh, on spring in spring break, on spring break, and uh, I was listening to this song. This is like a whole <laughs> like rabbit hole in itself. But I was listening to this song uh, called "Under Denver" uh, by Asking Alexandria, and it's a it was the song was inspired by the conspiracy theory of the Denver airport. Are you familiar with that? conspiracy no no what oh What's okay going on with that is it because of all the like weird satan things going on with the denver airport uh yeah so like the apparently like the construction of it it of the airport went way way over budget like you know millions and millions over budget and uh people like the general public was confused as to why it went over budget because it seemed like pretty cut and dry airport uh and then but then when you go in it um, there's like, apparently there's like a whole sub level, um, there that, uh, people don't understand what it's for. And then you got all these like paintings, uh, like really weird paintings throughout the entire airport. One of them's called, uh, children of the world dream in peace. And it's like, it's like a, a mural, like a story of like a, a regime or something like basically trying to commit genocide. Uh, and then at like, then the mural goes on, it's like they defeat him. And then it's like a one world, like people can like the conspiracy is that it's like paintings about like the one world government and the new world order and stuff like that. Um, and there's some other things about the airport that are weird that you can like look it up, but, um, it's one of those conspiracy theories that it's like, um, it's not like too out there it's just it doesn't it doesn't take you know uh uh an insane person to kind of like look at the denver airport and be like you know that is kind of weird you know if you look at everything about it you're like that's kind of weird and it's kind of hard to disprove which is why people like that's a it's a niche like conspiracy but um the people who believe in it were like i don't know yeah it's it's pretty weird but um Either way, I was into like a conspiracy theory kind of mood. I wanted to watch something, maybe like a documentary yeah. about it. And so I saw Q on there and I was like, oh, well, I've been meaning to like look into QAnon. So I'll just watch this. I expected it to be, and the way it kind of started out was it felt like one of those like one hour CNN's investigative specials. Um, but then the documentary then transforms into a a discussion or like a meditation on what, what free speech really means or what it should be. And then it transforms again to like this, uh, courtroom drama, like thriller. Uh, yeah. And then transforms back into like the mystery, like the last episode hones in on this, like really, I mean, I mean, obviously we know how it ends, like with, you know, with a big event yeah. at the end and, uh, uh, I don't know, man. It's just really good. I think, <laughs> yeah, like I think it's really well made. 
like yeah an insanely well produced i think if i were to like nitpick my frustration with it is that it got kind of caught up in the smaller details like the who of the situation rather than like the the collective like why and like how how like impactful it's all been you know Mm -hmm. like obviously it touches on stuff and i mean this isn't a spoiler because of course we've all heard of QAnon now because of like the capital uh invasion on january 6th but like i definitely thought it would be a documentary more about like how that event like came to be and it's it kind of explains that but it's more focused on like who are the people that like created this movement in the first place and it's definitely I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that a lot of the documentary is focused on and fixated on who is Q. Like, mm-hmm. wh- who even made this conspiracy? Yeah. But it's it's very well done. And I think that um, it, it definitely... I, I know that we said it's biased at, at the start of the hour whenever we were joking that we were Q-tubers, but I actually think one of the interesting aspects of it is that he doesn't come out and tell the audience like this is insanely stupid he lets people you know judge for themselves as they're watching the show and i mean everyone looks foolish like if you if you if you think that like any of these qtubers who are like belching (laughs) mid-sentence or yeah do you remember that scene with like the the guy burping yeah that was so annoying dude Like, they, he shows you the kind of people that believe this shit, and, I mean, it, it's not a pretty picture. And he doesn't mm-hmm. need to say, like, oh, this is this is dumb, this is unfounded. I mean, he does clarify that a couple times, but I appreciated that it wasn't too heavy-handed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the stupidest criticisms of this documentary, though, um, is that the filmmaker, Colin, Colin Holback doesn't give it like doesn't go in to disproving their theories or and to and to saying that all the 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 q like conspiracy is stupid and it's false and i think that's the stupidest criticism because you don't need to condemn or um you know uh, prove their theories wrong their theories are so insanely stupid on their own, that any when any sane person hears them, they're gonna think like, "Oh yeah, like obviously that's, you know, like you don't you you know what I'm saying? Like you don't need mm. you don't need to condemn them. Like they've already they they do that for themselves every day, and they've already done that with the Capitol uh, riots and everything. Like we already know that they're this conspiracy is baseless. Uh, there's no evidence to support it whatsoever. It's it's just absolutely insane. And uh, I don't think that that's not the point of the documentary. Uh, the documentary, if you watch it, you will obviously see, you know, that uh, you don't you don't need to disprove anything that they're saying. They kind of disprove it themselves, yeah. you know, through their actions and through the absolutely asinine uh, assumptions they make about the the U.S. government and the the people and the the elites or whatever, um, which 
to the extent of the fact that I, I'm not saying there's not corruption. Obviously, I'm not saying that there there is probably uh, you know a sex trafficking ring run at very high levels of power. Um, but to the extent of what they're what they're saying, you know, and how Donald Trump was the you know their savior, uh, he was going to be the one to fix everything. It's completely ridiculous, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 plan that they keep referring to, like yeah, you know, it, it. Here's the thing: is like it doesn't even really go into the details too much of like what most of the QAnon beliefs are. Like they don't they don't really even talk about the Jewish space lasers or, um, like, the the specifics of like the craziness other other than like that there's a cabal of like satan worshiping democrats that eat children mm-hmm. you know that's that's the gist that they go into in the documentary and i think it's silly also to say that he doesn't put any effort forward to like disprove it because i mean like one that's not really his job or what he's setting out to do with this documentary yeah. like we wouldn't have this look into these people's lives if he showed up and was like hey your theory is stupid let's talk about why it's dumb but, like, he does still show how ridiculous these theories are. Like, mm-hmm. there's that clip of the guy going into, like, the pizzeria where people were yeah. like, oh, in the basement, they're, like, sacrificing children. Mm-hmm. Um, Pizzagate. And he, yeah, and he's having this reporter on, uh, Will Summer, who shows up, like, several times throughout the documentary. He's, like, a Daily Beast reporter, and he just is explaining why it's stupid. Because in that instant, well, for one, the pizzeria didn't have a basement. And for two, the, the, the guy in the video just shows up to the pizza restaurant and is like, oh, it's suspicious in here and doesn't <laughs> show anything. You know, he just like is talking to his phone about how suspicious it is and then never has anything to back that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, very silly. It's true. And that's in the first episode. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, that that's a good point. Um, he does kind of like get go. Yeah. I mean, this documentary is crazy. Y'all need to watch this. It's I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm sitting down to rewatch it. It's uh, it's pretty insane. There is some heavy material in here related to shootings. Um, that's really bad, like really, really bad. Uh, yeah, specifically because they show, uh, one of the, uh, I, this isn't, this really isn't a spoiler because every, I mean, everybody knows this happened in uh, New Zealand, the Christchurch shooting in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. He streamed that. Um, and, uh, uh, people on 8chan watching or people on YouTube or whatever, uh, the comments that were made, it, it's absolutely vile. Um, I, if, I can't believe that there are like, this many people out there, you know, that are extremely uh, racist and extremely just just vile is like the best word I can think of. Like yeah. it was absolutely awful. Like they were just kind of egging on, like the shooter, uh, telling him he was doing a good job and everything. And it's so ridiculous that this is like the breeding ground that. Uh, these spaces like 4chan and 8chan and like the dark corners of the internet like uh, the an- the anonymity is, is the worst part about it because 
You have absolutely no idea who's saying it. Could be your neighbor. Could be your freaking dad for all you know, you know? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Because people will never say that stuff out loud, but they can go online and say it. And yeah, freaking stream the stream a, a mass shooting and think that it's it's funny like you need to be put down bud <laughs> like shit we're living it, it's in a, horribly shocking yeah yeah i was i mean the big trigger warning for just the whole show. yeah I mean, yeah when it gets to that point like especially they i mean they do take effort to like not show any like deaths but they play audio from when it's happening and that's just too much yeah even like i i was like sick you know that that My, part uh, was really hard to watch and i mean yeah. especially watching the comments on screen that were in mm-hmm. response to it it's just like horrifying like definitely um you know check your, your your state of mind before you go into this show because like it it, it definitely goes to some very dark places but i think for the most mm-hmm. part it is pretty entertaining um, yeah it i i think this is something we haven't really touched on but why I enjoy this show so much is, like, I'm kind of one of those people that seeks out cringe a lot of the times. Yeah. And the characters highlighted in this show are some of the cringiest people <laughs> yeah. I have ever seen. Like, the 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 dad, Jim. Yes, Jim. He is oh my God. the worst person I think I've ever seen. I, <laughs> I love... I love it, though. Like, how, yeah. like, unself-aware he is. And, like, he's trying to be humorous. And you're not laughing with him. You're laughing at him, for sure. Yeah. Like, that's the whole documentary. It's just laughing at these people. Yeah. I, my favorite people. my favorite Jim quote is when he's he keeps saying that he's not political when they first meet him. And he was like, oh, scary ideas. He said, that's a terrifying idea, scary ideas. I have scary ideas all the time. He's like, one of my <laughs> ideas is we round up all the politicians and I machine gun them. And then you bring in the replacements. And I machine gun them, and then their replacements. I tell you better be good, or I'm gonna machine gun you. <laughs> I like was laughing my ass off. I was like, this dude is insane, <laughs> and that's like that's like the first time you meet him. Like that's the second episode, and he does yeah, he does even crazier sh- like says crazier shit than that. But like that is just for me. That was that was it. That's uh. After him saying that he's not political at like three times, he says that, and I'm like, okay, bud. He definitely a lot of hypocrisy on yeah. screen. I think to to wrap up this segment, I'll definitely talk about one of my favorite moments. They follow a QTuber for a really <laughs> long time. His name's Dustin Nemos. Um, which I'm gonna say something personal really quick. I when he has the chin strap beard, he looks just like Luke. It's fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm a, if you see him with the chin strap beard and that, like, tell Luke, like, that guy looks like you. No. <laughs> Maybe don't insult him like that. But they follow him for a while. And then, like, they finally show him, like, on TV giving an interview with someone. And she's like, your, your facts are, like, completely unfounded. Like, who are your sources? And he's like, Nemos News. And she's like, that's your news network. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we're reporting the fact. We're, we're getting down to business. <laughs> sources himself. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. That's just the funniest shit is these people 
like aren't even afraid to admit that they're just pulling the shit out of their own ass you know literally like by admission this is all made up <laughs> oh god so ridiculous but it's a really good documentary and everybody should check it out we won't we won't talk cryptedly about it uh for long yeah. just need to go watch but speaking it. of, of cryptid watching um mm-hmm. spoiler free update on the falcon and the winter soldier oh yes yes i'm actually really excited to talk about this i have some thoughts okay yeah because your opinion last week was the show is not holding up all that well you know like it's, yeah. it's a bit clunky um uh a bit disappointing what, what yeah what do you have now so, um, and again, spoiler free guys, we're going to talk super, you know, super cryptically about it, but, um, I, uh, I really, really, really enjoyed the fourth episode. Um, and I'll tell you why, uh, because up until this point, the past three episodes, we've had this sort of, you know, kind of meandering villain and yeah. you know meandering uh, uh like a, like a kind of like a a, a direction it, it felt directionless it um you have three you have you i'm not even sure what's supposed to be the main plot and what's supposed to be the subplot right uh i wasn't caring for the um carly morgenthau storyline like that plot i was not caring for it really at all uh I was more interested in, you know, the characters separately, mm-hmm. not together, you know. This fourth episode, though, it basically, like, kind of culminates the, the subplots. They kind of intersect in this episode a little bit, and it's for the better. That, that, and, I can, I, and I finally understand, like, I understand the... Uh, you know the uh, the certain organizations uh, uh, motives. Now, I completely understand their motives. Uh, I still think you know that third episode, that trope we talked about last week. You know, at the end of the third episode was still unwarranted, but it's sort of explained a little better in this episode. Mm-hmm. And then I think that the. Uh, how do I say this without the spoiler? The the new guy, you know, <laughs> that sub that storyline is mm-hmm. super good in this episode, especially with the ending. Um, it's uh, it took a you know pretty good turn there, and I think that just the 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 pacing of this episode is really good, and I think it does a really good job at it. Pick, it finally picked a lane this week. Um, and I enjoy that. Um, one of the things that I hate about the third episode was the introduction and absolute bastardization of a character. Um, he's, I still don't like him. Like, I still don't like the character, how, how he's portrayed in the fourth episode, but it's a little better than last week's episode. I will say that I got a little bit more used to it. Yeah, I got I a little bit. I didn't realize that you hated that. Oh character. yeah, no, I hate that. I um, I don't care about the character being in the show. Like we're I, so cryptic. Oh my god. I, I know, I know. I mean, can we say like? I mean, he was in the trailer. I, I can say who it is, right? I don't know. Who I'm talking I, I, about. I didn't watch the trailer. 
so like i didn't know that this was gonna be an element so it was a surprise for me i think i think we should stay true it's probably really annoying for people who are watching the show (laughs) yeah like hear us like hint at it but you know what we're gonna do a whole like episode on it okay we're gonna block this for all it's got (laughs) so just stay tuned stay tuned baby but um I, I, I have to disagree with you. I I think, like, that character, I like being here. I thought he was one of the better elements of, of episode three. And then now, in this episode, I think that this character um, is, is behaving the way I remember. You know, and, like, I like... Oh yeah. my god, it sounds like a much bigger deal though because of how cryptic we're being. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just like a character comes back from the Marvel universe. It's not someone who's dead. It's just someone we haven't seen in a while. That's that's mm-hmm. what I'll say. Yeah. Um And I, I like him a lot. Like I in fact I feel like he's given more time to shine in this show mm-hmm. than he was originally. And that's something that I like is that he's getting fleshed in that way. Um I do think that it's still a bit clunky how all these moving parts are coming together, but I do think that, like you said, the show picked a lane this week, and we are getting, like, storylines are actually progressing now, whereas last week it was, like, more of a noir-style thing where it's just questions, 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 and we're not getting a lot of, like, answers or progress, you know. It was a standstill uh, investigation. And the quips this week were brought down a little bit, which I liked. I, I, I liked yeah. it was more serious. I, I agree. I, I also noticed that there, there was not as many quippies. Um, it was actual dialogue this time. <laughs> I will say this is probably the best episode of the show, and it's definitely the one that I think stands up its most on its own because I feel like episodes two and three – and even one are just set up episodes, you know, they're they're yeah. setting up to like interesting ideas. And this one finally is like, it's satisfying to watch on its own. Like I could rewatch this episode mm-hmm. without seeing the other ones. And I'd be like, yes, that's, that's a very exciting 50 minutes right there. Wow. 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 Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I agree. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's no, it's no longer, uh, it's no longer, set up and, it, and it's now we're into the meat and potatoes of everything and yeah uh it's if, if five episodes five and six you know are at least as good as episode four then i think the show will end, end strong and i think it, it'll be worth it um but i just really was i think not we have invested. the elements yeah like I, I, I think like wandavision that that's the only problem with the show is the finale just wasn't very well set up like the to do an antagonistic force in that show was kind of hard um mm-hmm. and in this show i feel like there's a much clearer idea of like how you know an antagonist could factor into the finale you know like this show is more conducive to a traditional marvel cinematic universe ending whereas mm-hmm. wandavision was like so new yeet so unique for most of its run and then kind of fumbled like yeah into stale territory at the end yeah i agree i hope i hope this show doesn't have that same problem with its finale because i can see it where it could have a really strong finale and be um a really good show in the end um 
They just got to not screw it up. Yeah. Essentially. Here's hoping. Yeah, here's hoping. Uh, did you see anything else this week? Uh, uh, I, uh, I did. Uh, speaking of superheroes, I watched season one of The Boys. Finally. Finally. I finally got around to it. I'm starting season two. I uh, started season two last night, actually. just saw the first episode. But mm. Season one is fantastic. Um, this show is really yeah. good. If y'all have not seen The Boys, you need to watch The Boys on Amazon Prime. It is really, really good. It's different. Uh, it's, uh, well, how do you say, uh, timely, relevant. Um, mm-hmm. And it is... Everything that I've ever wanted to see from superhero content that Watchmen couldn't give me. Um, oh, I am lending you the comic book. I brought it back. Yes. So we're gonna we're gonna set your ideas of Watchmen straight. You're gonna get through this comic. I'm gonna force you to watch the HBO show. You're okay. gonna be caught up on how good it is. Zack Snyder does not speak for Watchmen. No. Uh, Sorry, I hope he never speaks for other superheroes as well but um other superhero movies, uh, we've mean. got an anti restore the snyderverse guy on the show today I, whoa i mean i would Get like us in a heap of trouble <laughs> i know i know we're gonna be featured in a twitter thread angry twitter thread but oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no the restore the the restore the snyderverse movement is um again the idea it's it's cool it's fine like you know, they want Zack Snyder's universe, but uh, you're talking about whereas you know used to we were talking about one movie that came out in 2017. Now you're trying to go up against the whole studio with their plans, and uh, I don't know it's going to work this time, guys. And also, you need to quit being toxic um, because I think I I, I shared a tweet um, uh, from this. Uh, podcast slash like film journalist guy i follow on twitter uh on wonder brothers page they had tweeted about the the, the hashtag with a uh, stop asian hate and they were uh, listing some donations and stuff and the comments were swarmed by people just saying hashtag restore the snyderverse and i was like wow what a bunch of freaking ghouls i that's disgusting so y'all need to quit being toxic if you want your if you want daddy snyder to direct any more films for you but either yeah, way just like here's here's a rule of thumb don't yeah. tweet about fucking stupid superhero movies in response to a shooting in like donations to help victims of said shooting like yeah how fucked in the head do you have to be to, <laughs> yeah. to think that's an appropriate response to that excuse yeah. me yeah it's not it's not good guys it's not a good look and you need to stop because it's really, really disgusting. And uh, I hate you. I, I absolutely abhor people like that. I, I think I called this when we finished the Snyder Cut. Is I was like, I, I'm going to like this Snyder Cut until I remember that Zack Snyder's fans are the most toxic people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the restore the Snyder Cut hashtag was, was fueled by like very vile and like insufferable people for a mm-hmm. long time and i mean i'm not saying everyone who used that hashtag and who argued for Zack snyder to get his cut out there 
were toxic, but the movement was based in a lot of toxicity and bullying, and it's it's yeah. happening again with Restore mm-hmm. the Snyderverse. That's not. Uh, it's it's very frustrating. It is. But the boys, so which is something that I think <laughs> is more captivating than anything Zack Snyder's done. What? Yes. Uh, I mean, do do you have a favorite character? <laughs> <laughs> um. Honestly, let me think. I think. I so I really like uh, Frenchie and uh, K- how do you what's her name the girl that they rescued can Kiyoki oh, or something Kamiko wait Kani- oh, oh Kaniko it's been a bit I think it's, it's Kaniko yeah I think so um, it is Kamiko Kamiko okay I like their like dynamic a lot I like her like character mm-hmm. and I like uh, like out of the seven. Um, I hate all of them, but I enjoy, yeah. I enjoy the, the Homelander, uh, Stillwell, like kind of like the mom fetish thing going on there. Um, it's really, I really love the character of Homelander. I think he makes the show for me. Like I, yeah. I think yeah. that such a wonderful take on, mm-hmm. I mean, Superman, uh, ideas which i i know that like oh superman but bad isn't exactly an original idea but i love what they do in the boys yeah. with it like they run so far <laughs> yeah uh i i just like i like what they do with superhero like the superhero um uh i guess like the craze you know uh i think i, I okay i do <laughs> i think my favorite character it is Ezekiel <laughs> like so far like just just the one that I laughed at the most and what I thought was like the the most the craziest is definitely Ezekiel um was that the Christian yeah it's the, the Christian oh, one dear it's so like every like the show like the world building in this show is insane mm. like I am I am fully like sold on the fact that if we had superheroes it would be this like it would be like the the world of the boys you know with with uh sorry i was about to sneeze um with uh vought and everything being like the you know the basically the talent the the production company the talent agency and everything and uh ah god it's so smart though it's so like it's absolutely genius this show um and carl urban as billy the butcher yeah. or as billy butcher uh is probably the best casting decision that they could have made for this show <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and and the guy who plays homelander is also like a perfect choice um they're both and, amazing and both uh yeah aussies no wait no they're both kiwis my bad gotcha um i think (laughs) okay i I haven't watched season two yet so i don't like fully know but i think it is so like interesting that so like in the first episode with uh the deep uh and how he uh you know him and starlight i I don't want to spoil this show for anybody who hasn't seen it but it's been out for two years so y'all need to go watch it but um 
the whole kind of assault on uh, Starlight in that first episode, I thought they were setting up the Deep to be like one of the first uh, superheroes to be killed. Like, mm. uh, but they're giving him like some kind of arc now, and I just think it's really funny, uh, like how it's happening, like uh, you know, with him, uh, like the whole like him in Ohio, like that that little subplot and everything. Like, I don't know where it's going, um, but I like like I'm starting to like his character more, which is insane because. Obviously, you're supposed to hate all of them, but uh, his character is just so weird, you know? Yeah. Kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe it, dude. I just really like like where they're going with his character arc, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. No, I, I, I agree with you. Like, You definitely think most of these people are going to be insufferable at the start of the show but you find yourself oddly invested in their growth Mm -hmm. and you i mean a lot of the times they're at odds with the main characters but you still don't want to see them go you know like you still would like to have them around i think a train is also a really great um point for that like i you know when the show starts you're especially supposed to hate a train but I find that the longer the show goes on, I like him more and more. Even though he does some pretty terrible shit, you know? I, I got, I've got to say, he, he's one of the ones I wouldn't mind leaving. Like, I still hate him. I, I, uh, I want him to die as soon as possible. <laughs> but I don't, I don't remember if season one had a lot of stuff for him, but maybe it's season two that, like, gets more into him. Like, I, I, I'm mm-hmm. at a point where, like, I like him for the most part now. Gotcha. But uh, not like 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 him, you know. Obviously, he's still pretty shitty, but like yeah, shitty in the way that these characters are supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. For I mean, for those who don't know, I mean, it's 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 a show about a group of people trying to kill soup superheroes or soups as they call them in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that's no big. That's why we're just like, oh well, I want this character to die, or <laughs> he should have died, or. Um, but and the soups are are all pretty terrible. Like that's oh, something yeah. you learn very on. They're all pretty terrible. It's superheroes. There's like no glam to it. They're all privatized. So a lot of the show is talking about like how these heroes have to preserve their brand. You know, as far as people are concerned, superheroes are like very moral people and would never do anything like bad. Yeah. And that's that's kind of part of the show is like they're trying to peel back that image of superheroes because they do get up to some shady shit because i mean power absolute power corrupts absolutely yeah um it's true speaking of of uh fiction about power corrupting absolutely i I started this arc a long time ago where i've been watching all the star wars movies with ken because she's never seen them before and um, we hit a pretty big landmark. We finished Revenge of the Sith. Woo! And we That's also what we've been finished... waiting for, baby. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> and we also did Force Awakens. And I think it'd, it'd be hey. interesting to talk about them both a little bit in this episode. Because yeah. I feel I feel like uh, over the past couple years, you know, Revenge of the Sith is one of those movies that has gotten more and more 
like beloved by fans as people more are growing accepted, up yeah yeah more accepted and i feel force awakens has retroactively gotten a lot of hate like knowing where that trilogy ends up people look back at force awakens and go oh that's not a very good film anymore yeah um and i'm here to argue it should be the reverse um really okay i'm interested I rewatched Revenge of the Sith, and I've, I've actually done that a couple times in the past year because it was probably the Star Wars movie I'd seen the least um, up to this point. And I, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of interesting ideas in it. I just find that it's the Star Wars movie that's the most frustrating uh, in terms of George Lucas's direction because... The ideas in the film script are actually pretty interesting for once like the prequel trilogy finally came to a head and there was like pretty captivating stuff uh in the midst of that script script but i think that the direction of the movie is like at its worst like there's so many big moments that are absolutely botched by how george lucas doesn't understand like blocking like, I'll give you an example. Uh, Anakin finds out that <laughs> Palpatine is a Sith Lord, which okay. is is done by them walking through a hallway, which is George Lucas's favorite thing. And then they kind of circle each other for a bit. Anakin turns on his lightsaber. Then he turns off his lightsaber and he's like, oh, I want to kill you. And then, like, the scene's over. But... The next scene that involves that plot line is just Anakin walking very slowly with Mace Windu, and they're just walking from from unspecified point A to like never specified point B. And this is this is like George Lucas's favorite form of blocking because characters do it all the time. They walk, they stop, they talk, they walk, they talk, they stop. <laughs> like, that's yeah, that's it. <laughs> And the, the problem with this scene, though, is that Anakin is telling Mace Windu all of his worst fears are true. Like, there's the Sith, like, master is here. It's Palpatine. Everything bad you could have suspected about that character is true. He's evil, and he's going to try and, like, overthrow the Jedi. And, like, Mace Windu is just like, a Sith Lord? <laughs> well, shoot. Uh, yeah? <laughs> I guess I'm going to go walk over here to my ship, and I'm going to very calmly alert everyone that Palpatine is a Sith Lord, and we're just going to handle this very slowly. <laughs> like, there's no urgency at yeah. all. And that's, like, most of the beats of the movie. Like, even the stuff people remember, like, for being really intense, like, Obi-Wan and Anakin throwing down, like, it, there's some good exchanges in there, like, don't get me wrong, but, like, it is ridiculous, like, how over-the-top that lightsaber fight gets, like, yeah. they start out at, like, point A, and, like, I think everything where they're in that static room, and they're, like, force-choking each other, and, like, they, they both put their hands together, and they're both trying to force-push, and then they both get, like, thrown back. Brilliant. Brilliant. What I have a problem with is, like, the structure they're on, like, starts collapsing and sinking into the lava, and then they're on, like, they're, like, climbing a ladder, and, like, if 
fighting each other and then they both jump onto robots that are in the lava and they're surfing on the robots and they're fighting each other and then yeah it's pretty and ridiculous then that <laughs> leads to like a hill which i mean the high ground stuff is fine i think just like yeah. everything in between and the fact that the fight is like 20 minutes long is ridiculous like <laughs> did not need to be like that it's like way over stylized mm-hmm. oh. I, and i mean what what pisses me off is like you can have static uh, like you can have dynamic backgrounds like i think luke versus darth vader on cloud city is the perfect example of that there's a lot of crazy shit in that environment Mm -hmm. i think what helps it is that for the most part the background is still until the characters interact with it um you know like darth vader cuts the like the the carbon freeze tubes and like there's mist spraying everywhere and it and it clouds everything and you can't tell what's going on anymore or like one of my favorite parts like when he breaks the window and like luke like flies out because like the gravity outside that window is like fucked or something like yeah it's just like a vacuum into space dope as hell the problem with obi-wan and anakin's fight is that it's very clearly two actors who don't know what digital effects are about to be added over the scene and so they're just like doing their best to pretend like you know they know <laughs> what crazy <laughs> shit is going to be added like yeah in post production and it it's a bit silly looking in comparison and i think that unfortunately that fight needed to be less like silly less mm-hmm. over the top like yeah i think they nail it though with the with the ending like anakin and obi-wan and he's like i loved you yeah You're like a brother to me that's good shit. Yeah. More more stuff like that. Yeah, it's just to get there, we had to have, like, you know, 20 minutes of nonsense. Uh, surf, mm-hmm. surf, lo- literal lava surfing. Uh, and, and it's ridiculous. That, like, because I, I really love that scene. Like, you know, with the, the high ground, like, the whole, um, that whole sequence. Like, that really... Uh, it doesn't impact you as much as it should. Like, seeing as how, like, the chemistry between Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen is really... I don't think it's it's there. Like, it's there, definitely, but it's not like it needs to be, you know? Because, you know, yeah. the whole point of, like, the, the prequels to show, like, oh, yeah, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader were actually very good friends, uh... Even McGregor's performance, though, in that that specific scene, that probably his best performance in the entire series. Yeah, uh, he really commits. No, Ewan McGregor is consistently like one of the best parts of yeah. these films, and I would say Ian McDermott in this movie really brings it as Palpatine. Oh, definitely. Like, he he's like walking that fine line between cartoonishly evil. And, like, actually kind of, like, intriguing, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I've always liked the character of Palpatine and how he factors into the prequels. I, I think that Revenge of the Sith gets a lot of free passes because it has great moments like that. Like, yeah. I think Order 66 is a great moment, you mm-hmm. know? Like, the 
it's shocking to see those Jedi get killed. You know, it's shocking to see Anakin kill those kids. And the shot of him walking to the temple with all those clones behind him is absolutely dope. Like, you know, there's mm-hmm. no argument. Yeah. There's no argument. And I think people remember with the Padme Anakin stuff, like that shot where they're both across the city from each other and like they're yes. standing at the window and they feel like the connection and like the single tear rolls down Anakin's eye like it's great mm-hmm. uh but I think that this move this movie speaks to like George Lucas's ability as like a visual storyteller but it absolutely is a testament to how shitty of a dialogue and character director he is yeah you know yeah like because the, the the love scenes are somehow even worse than Attack of the Clones, the the blocking of these important like character defining moments is just awkward and stilted. Mm-hmm. It's just it's hard yeah. to watch. Uh, yeah, in a lot it of is. places. And I don't know, like it it's definitely the best prequel, but I would hardly say that it's a very captivating like movie. You know, and I think nostalgia is is the number one reason that I'll keep coming back to this. And the memes, you know? Oh, yeah, the memes are great. Um, I have to agree with you, though. It has great moments, but it just, they're very few and far between. And they mostly have to do with the visual storytelling aspect of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Like you mentioned, the, the, when they're across the city, like I specifically remember those shots. I specifically remember shots uh, of Revenge of the Sith mainly. Um, but you know the story is still yeah. in- incredibly hard to follow and and not good. <laughs> and there's a lot of stupid like fan servicey things. Like people mm-hmm. give the sequel trilogy shit for fan service, but like you you tell me why Chewbacca is on Kashyyyk. You know yeah. what's up with that? <laughs> what and like George Lucas's original plan was to have like kid Han Solo show up at the end of Revenge of the Sith too, like. Jesus. My man's had like some pretty bad ideas yeah. <laughs> for the franchise. Um and I don't know. I just I guess I want to get into why I feel so critical of Revenge of the Sith is I've just rewatched Force Awakens last night. Right. And you know, as much shit as people give this new trilogy, I think like the way it starts at the very least is like leaps and bounds ahead of any of the prequel movies like it's so refreshing to watch force awakens and be greeted with like humor you know that's something that's like completely missing from the prequel movies like we laugh at the prequels but it's not because they have lines of dialogue that make us laugh well they do but it's not the lines that are supposed to be funny yeah with force i think you're laughing with force awakens you're laughing at revenge of the mm -hmm. sith (laughs) to yeah to bring up one of your points from earlier (laughs) About you know laughing, not laughing at them, not laughing with them. It applies here with like the prequel and the sequel trilogies. You know they're very different. <laughs> yeah, like I way. I probably guffawed more watching the prequels, but it wasn't because Jar Jar Banks is like a really funny character. It's because <laughs> I can't believe someone like came up with the idea <laughs> yeah. that he was a really funny character. Or, you know, there's, like, some random CG bullshit that George Lucas has added in, and it just makes you laugh. But like, Yeah, true. 
you know there's so many great lines in like force awakens like i think finn is such a fun character in this movie and he's like really well utilized yeah in force awakens too like i think you know that's something people lost sight of as the trilogy went on is mm-hmm. that like finn actually had a really dope start to the to the trilogy and like i i really like where his character was i even think ray in this movie you know a lot of people at the time critiqued her for like being too powerful or -hmm. whatever but um i i honestly thought that they did the her her like connection to the force really well in this movie like she she's running away most of the time in that final Mm -hmm. fight you know and like also kylo at ren is like injured he's been shot by chewbacca he just fought finn like they do a really great job of establishing like this is not like kylo at his best and ray like doesn't know what the fuck she's doing it's not until like she taps into the force Mm -hmm. you know right at the very end and like i don't think that gave her like superpowers or abilities that make her better than kylo but i think like in that instance she was able to like finally use those disadvantages that kylo had going on against him and like best him you know mm-hmm. and i thought it was fair like truly I, I i don't think that this fixation on oh ray needs training has any merit to it you know like, yeah when did the fucking training of these characters matter never they just never. want it to matter because like it's a female character that's powerful luke trains off screen most of the mm-hmm. time like between return of the jedi and empire like it, all the training is off screen and he's like a different person in return of the jedi and fans accepted that so i don't yeah i don't really know why like ray has to like for some reason train on screen mm-hmm. for like fans to like be, be behind her that would be boring <laughs> not gonna lie it would be doesn't sound like a very fucking exciting movie to me yeah that sounds like something that would be in the prequel trilogy and even (laughs) then they knew that you didn't need to show characters training on screen like in revenge of the sith anakin has has like the one line he's like my powers have doubled since we last met yeah twice the pride double the fall (laughs) (laughs) count dooku right there count dooku man he's my main man but I think I think Force Awakens, um, you know, a lot of people who are Last Jedi fans, you know, kind of unfairly say that this movie has very boring plotline setups. And, you know, while I can see where they're coming from, like, these are very vanilla, like, questions, like, who are Rey's parents? Mm-hmm. Um, who is Snoke? Uh, what's Kylo Ren's, like, allegiance going to be by the end of the trilogy? Like... I, I don't think that it's all that bad to be asking those questions at the mm-hmm. start of the trilogy. Like, whether they have satisfying answers or not, it's intriguing. Like, you can't watch this movie and not be hooked by, like, all the little things that happen. Um, and it's a very... it's I don't think it's against the movie that it's very crowd-pleasing, you know? Yeah. Like, when, when Han Solo and Chewbacca, like, walk onto the ship, like... It's iconic, you know, everyone claps. There's like that part where they're like, Oh, we'll take that ship. Like, no, that's a that's a piece of garbage and then like the other ship blows up and they're like, We'll take the garbage then and it's the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Like that's fun. Yeah. It's like a lot of fucking fun. 
Yeah, I I agree. Like, it's a lot of. Um, I mean, I guess people would call it fan service, but honestly, it's it's really just reminiscent. Like, it allows like fans to be like, ah, yeah, so that's what happened to it, or ah, so we're here, and or this character mm-hmm. now. You know, I, I I don't know. I I rarely speak my opinion on the Force Awakens, and it's because I actually really like the Force Awakens. Like I. And just mm-hmm. now with time, now that the trilogy has gone to shit, I kind of like am like really fond of it more and more, you know, the more I think about it. And um, I've watched it three or four times. I really like it. Uh, and I'm glad yeah. that you like it I think this like was time more. number seven for me. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's number seven in the franchise. You got to watch them. According to their number, you know. Right. Oh, I'm, I am not watching I'm, The Rise of Skywalker nine times. You can count me. Uh, <laughs> you, can't, you can't make me. Well, if you want to get technical, uh, Rogue One came out after uh, Force Awakens, and then eight came out, so then we're up to nine. No, wait. Yeah, then we're up to nine, and then Solo is ten, so you actually need to watch Rise of Skywalker 11 times to really appreciate the... If I watch the Rise the of Skywalker the 11 times in my entire life, I want you to know that <laughs> something's wrong. It's not something, me. Something went wrong. No. I... Okay, I, I think that the big problem that I find with the Star Wars fandom is like, or with these new trilogy movies, is that apparently you have to be a last jedi stan or a stand your ground force awakens rise of skywalker like homie Mm -hmm. and like let me tell you force awakens is just a much better film film than uh rise of skywalker like Mm -hmm. there's there's no fucking comparison yeah and i think it shows two different jj abrams too like it's Mm kind of hard for me to believe that jj abrams did both of these like well Actually, no, it's not because, you know, beginnings have always been J.J. Abrams' greatest strength and endings have always been, like, his greatest weakness. Yeah. And it's really on full display in these movies. Like, he really thought someone else was going to come in and, like, really knock it out of the park with these storylines that he's Mm -hmm. setting up. I think this is a very gracious handoff um, to Ryan Johnson to do whatever he wants to do with eight. Yeah, and I I think that he did a marvelous job setting things up. I think that the I think where people misconstrue things is that it's somehow a slap in the face to J.J. Abrams if Ryan Johnson improvs and the skit looks different than mm-hmm. how J.J. Abrams imagined it originally. You know, like, yeah. It, it's it's very clear that he thought Snoke was a major player, like that there's questions to be answered there that should affect, like, the whole trilogy. Mm-hmm. And, like, Ray's parentage especially is something that was so important to J.J. Abrams that, like, whenever Ryan Johnson said, like, oh, it doesn't really matter, J.J. Abrams had to come back and be like, well, actually it does because he lied and <laughs> also <laughs> this and also he likes his helmet again. <laughs> And also, look at all these things that I set up and nobody oh, nobody wanted. <laughs> Casey, it's painful because we're going to rewatch Rise of Skywalker soon, inevitably. 
mm-hmm. and we're gonna have to have another fucking Rise of Skywalker discussion. Remember at the start of the show when like every week yes. it was just like was dunk like... on Rise of Skywalker time. Yes, I'm still dunking on it. Screw that movie. I'm bringing it back, baby. <laughs> bringing it back, baby. It sucks. I think. Uh, well, maybe I need to rewatch it, but like in my head right now, it's like it's down there with the prequels in terms of. No, I think it's the worst quality. one. Like I would it might watch be the, the pre- worst Star Wars movie. I would watch the prequels a thousand times before I let this company die. I'm just kidding. Um, I would watch them a thousand <laughs> times before I rewatch. Rise of Skywalker. Like, I... Yeah. I have no love for that movie. Like, I had a little bit of love for it when I first watched it. I thought, you know, they did some good things in there. But no. Like, now thinking back on it, absolutely not. No, I hate that movie. That movie's garbage. It's trash. I won't even rewatch the lightsaber fights. Um, They're not even that good. No, they're not. Which is crazy to me, because J.J. Abrams... Like, when he directed the lightsaber fights in this movie, it's like it harkens back to the original trilogy. Like, I love Kylo versus Rey mm-hmm. and Finn in this movie. Like, it's so fucking captivating. Yes, it's so, like, it's like visceral and it's like realistic, like, fighting, you know? They're not Ooh. doing backflips in the air and, and shit. And Yes, you're nailing it. You're nailing my exact thoughts. Like, coming off of Revenge of the Sith, that's, like, the biggest problem with the prequels, almost. Yeah. The, my my favorite, like, lightsaber moments are, like, when people are hammering on each other. Like, that part where Luke, in Return of the Jedi, is just, like, <clears throat> breeding his lightsaber down over and mm. over again. Yeah. Darth Vader, and he chops off his arm. Like, that's the best. Mm-hmm. You know? And in the prequels, it's just, like, a dance. Like, these people just met up, and they know to, like do all this fancy shit with each other like i'm not into it and also most of the time you don't know the characters all that well yeah and that's like the best thing about this kylo ray like lightsaber fight is that he um they're they're just so emotional about it they're Mm -hmm. just swinging angrily finn and ray don't even know how to use a lightsaber so you, you can especially tell for them it's a bit chaotic and it's just Oh my god, every hit lands. It's like amazing. Like mm-hmm. the lightsabers like clatter against each other, like people lose their balance. It's ugh, I love it so much. And also the lighting on Starkiller Base, like once the sun goes out, is just more the end. Yeah, I agree. There's I think Do there's you, a lot of things to like about about Force Awakens. I guess my uh my my like final question in this topic is like do you think the old characters are integrated pretty well into this new movie yeah i think they work fine like every like do you do you even mind though like that han solo is there pretty much to to be killed off like i i don't think that's his sole purpose in the movie but like a lot of people boil it down to like mm. oh in every fucking movie they kill off an original trilogy character it's so pointless yeah um I don't know. Like, I, I thought his arc worked well with The Force Awakens. Um, I mean, it's a sequel trilogy. Obviously, you have to fi- you have to get some of the main characters back. And, yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to be hard trying to write them in. But I thought Han Solo was good in that movie. And I thought his death was justified for the most part. I don't know. That, yeah, I, mean, that's just, I, I I really like his death. It it feels 
I think it's the first time in the franchise that we hearken back to something like uh, Obi-Wan being killed, you know, in, in New Hope. And I think that this movie is derivative of A New Hope in, like, a positive way. You know, it, mm-hmm. it brings the magic back to the franchise and you feel, like, such a range of emotions watching it. I don't know. It's this This movie definitely got me ready for whatever was to come next and i was i was so happy like if last jedi had been in the next theater i would have gone immediately to see it yeah because movie got me hype bro it's a very hype movie i agree i was very excited for the sequel trilogy and then slowly i wasn't (laughs) after yeah i guess last jedi will be an interesting discussion um i i haven't rewatched it in a long time so i'm really excited to get to do that good 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 Rewatch it and then we'll discuss i've seen it like four times so yeah i, I remember I everything like, <laughs> i feel like we could discuss it now but like it'll be extra exciting if we wait you know true you have to wait till next week viewers uh next week probably next, <laughs> next yeah <laughs> Next week, uh, on I know on my agenda, I will have watched all of season two of The Boys. I will have started watching, at least watched all the episodes there are of Invincible. Um, yes! That's, ne- that's on my list next, because uh, uh, it's there. And then I will also probably have watched, uh, rewatched maybe The Incredibles or something, because uh, we're Ooh. going on, me and Don are still going on our uh, Pixar escapade. Rewatching some stuff. I'd love to discuss some mega Incredibles. Stuff. Yeah. Also, maybe the merits of Incredibles two versus Incredibles one. Oh know. yeah, that's uh, my opinion. Might not be that popular uh, on that well, subject. I but, uh, I'm I'm very curious to hear then. Don't, yeah. Don't tell now. Keep them hooked. Keep them hooked. Um. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been an interesting discussion. Go watch all the. We talked about TV shows basically today <laughs> slash miniseries. Yeah. So go watch uh, Q Into the Storm. Go watch The Boys. Check out Invincible as well. I know we mentioned that one last week. Uh, check out Falcon and the Winter Soldier if you haven't already. Um, and check out, uh, you know what, just rewatch Star Wars if, you, if you're feeling it, you know? Check it out. Indie franchise just dropped. Yeah, you it's know. super might be good. underrated. Yeah, might be. Might be a cult classic. Um, yeah, well, that's all I have for this week, guys. Uh, Isaac? Well, you know, I, get, I don't really have much to say other than uh, it's time to return to the ground. The, the call of my people on mm-hmm. the earth is, is at an end. I've, I've fulfilled all my earthly duties, and I am now going back into my sarcophagus to, to slumber for another thousand years, so... Heck yeah. Uh, do, do tell me if civilization's still around when I wake up, okay? Yeah, well, I'll see you, I'll see you next week then. A curse upon you, boy! This is my sarcophagus sound effect also. Do what? Now, here's a pain! <laughs>